Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of an actor's movies Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank So Jamie Nominally, uh, well, actually, I normally put it the wrong way of starting this. When we started this podcast back back in the old age when it used to be called Hank's Bank, we had to make a choice about whether mm-hmm. we thought this was a film podcast or a yep. comedy podcast. Yep. And, and I, we, I think to this day we still disagree about our answers to that question, but carry on. <laughs> well, here's my thing. I, I, okay, on the count of three, we're going to say what we think this podcast is, okay? <laughs> no! Because... Why? Okay, you ready? You ready? You know the lag's going to be great. Okay. This is great when okay. we're doing this over Zoom. It's like we're in person. Guys, okay. fun fact, I fly out every week to record this with Jamie. Okay, you ready? Three, yep. two, two, one. one. Comedy, Comedy. Film podcast. Whoa. I cheated. I cheated. I said both. You said both. both. I, did. I took I said a stand both. and my stand was different from normal. Normally I would say it's a film podcast. Okay. But you so, know, it, so now, now, okay. Well, now that you agree with me that it's a comedy podcast, um, I will further my request though, that you laugh at my fucking jokes, you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, what, 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 what does? That, where did this come from? What? what? <laughs> well, I've been thinking, Jamie. We've been watching a lot of uh, Anne Hathaway uh, rom coms, uh, yeah. such as uh, you know Rachel getting married. Obviously, this week's uh, movie, <laughs> Laugh a Week. Yeah, laugh. Uh, of course, really, Havoc. really. St- Yep, Havoc, hilarious. Notoriously funny, Brookback Mountain, chuckles a minute. And I thought to myself, uh, as I'm watching all these comedies, uh, with some of the jokes which have aged interestingly, you know, the the past is a foreign country, Jamie. They do things differently there, which is one of my favourite quotes. Uh, But also, uh, maybe not a true statement all the time. uh, What is comedy but laughter persevering? My favourite line from WandaVision. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to tell you what, Jamie, at the end of this podcast, we're going to talk about our feelings about WandaVision, okay? Oh, okay. I haven't had <laughs> no a chance spoilers. to talk to We could maybe talk no, about it after for our audience. Intro. Yeah, we, sure. we can do it. But um, my question was going to be, and I gave you a little bit of prep time for this. Last week, I was Yes, I was you did. Accused you did. Of being you told me before the podcast, time. I will say uh, I immediately stopped thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but my question was, what comedies for you before the year 2000, I'm going to say 11, so before, in, before the 2010s, uh, what comedies for you still hold up today? Which you which you watch back and it's not you know you're not like ooh. I I think it is extremely rare that there is a comedy made before 2010 that doesn't at least have one or two jokes that yeah. that are clearly just age poorly and you wouldn't make in in 2020. I think most comedy writers would admit that they feel like oh yeah I made a few jokes that I wouldn't make now. Um, having said that. Um, most of the movies I watched before 2010 are on this podcast. So uh, I haven't watched many movies from before 2010. I would say TV probably holds up a little bit better. Things like uh, even Community has has some, some jokes that obviously don't hold up as well. But Community uh, in the TV realm holds up pretty well. That started around 2008. Um, even The Office and stuff like that. You know, the, 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 the classics of TV, when it comes to... Um, filmed comedy i feel like excluding uh excluding like just actually bad tasteless films there's a nice little sweet spot 
and it's around 1989 to 1997. I feel like I've learned this from watching our Tom Hanks films. Anything before 1989, oh, almost guaranteed, just rife with horrible jokes. <laughs> and then, and then something happened in the 90s. You know, people learned about grunge, and they just learned to, you know, actually fight the system and and not and not disparage people uh, uh, of lesser societal standing than you. Um, and then around 2000s, they just started hating fat people and women for some reason again. So, so it, it just got re- really swings was, back around in those early 2000s. It, it, I, my, here's a, a thought I do have about the, the weird hating fat people thing. I want I want to, someone to send me like a YouTube video essay about where this trend started. Because I assume it's maybe like Urkel, but in my head it's Fat Monica from Friends. And that continues <laughs> through to something like Get Smart, which is on the tail end of it. Where just like, this character is fat and haha, that's funny. Yeah, and and then it's sort of, I guess it's slightly better when you then, you know, you have um, people like Melissa McCarthy then sort of leaning into that and taking control of that. Yes. Now, personally, I don't find most of Melissa McCarthy's films funny, but... I, I think that's ostensibly. I'm not. I'm not disparaging. Oh, I think she's take, a funny actress. Act- I think she's a funny actress. What actor do like you most find most of their films funny? All right, name me uh, one yeah. actor you find most of their works funny. If there's anything we've learned from this, is that if you're a good actor, you maybe have ten good movies. <laughs> that's that's very fair. Um, and you know this podcast as well. Uh, much like Spirit, we have about ten good episodes. So let's see if we can make it eleven. Hello and welcome to Blank Spank. Season 2, The Hathaway Stashaway, the show where we chronologically review Anne Hathaway's entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxon, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al! I like to take things that are funny and then talk about them until they're not funny. Precisely, which is exactly what we're going to do with uh, our comedy this week, Rachel Getting Married. Uh, but before we get into that... Um, I, I do I do enjoy Alexander that you have now taken we're, we're getting longer and longer with our cold opens as you think those are the times rather than you know the silly irreverent bits we used to do you know you took me on a and d adventure for three weeks you know lasted a couple minutes it was great now it's let's just have a conversation before we continue and have another conversation tell you what Jamie I, I you, you've come at me okay I feel attacked is it maybe that we haven't seen each other in one year two months <laughs> or two days entirely possible is it maybe that we're using this podcast as a way of substituting actual conversation in our friendship almost definitely does everyone <laughs> listening to this get that I think so uh, but tell you what next week I will come back with some whimsy okay yeah, you want I, some look, fucking I whimsy just, Jamie you I think this is a comedy <laughs> I like how you, you wait <laughs> Let's go back into this because you started this by saying, "Oh, do you think this is a comedy or a film co- podcast?" And you said it was a comedy podcast. And your way of proving that was not by doing things that are funny, but by talking about comedy films. And I think that makes it a film podcast, not a comedy podcast. Comedy podcasts are things that just talk about comedy. Although, as we know, that was all I ever wanted to do. <laughs> I still think, looking back on it, my favourite part of this entire show has to be the end of uh, Punchline, where you just, like, go on a 20-minute rant about stand-up. And it was, like, 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night back in the UK, and I just really wanted to go to bed, and you just... (laughs) 
I refuse. See, that's that's the issue here with doing this over Zoom is you have the threat of the leave meeting button. And I can see you sometimes. We, we don't talk about this uh, on the podcast, but Alexander does have a signal. He like takes his finger and moves it towards the trackpad, <laughs> making it really clear that he's like living in on the leave meeting button. And that's the Jamie, let's talk about films again <laughs> uh, signal. It's um. Can I just say, uh, just, just thinking back about Punchline, a film I think about only in context of you talking about stand-up <laughs> and nothing else. But it is completely bullshit that that movie ends with, um, uh, not Shirley Temple, the lady who's a very famous oh, actress. Who, Rose comes I to mum. Do, Sally, uh, Sally, Susan, Sally Field. Sally Field. Cool, about to say right. Not winning the comedy thing. Her set yeah. is much better than like Tom Hanks. She comes up, does a bunch of anti-comedy, and then she's she wins it, and then she's like, "Bitch, should really go to him because he's a man." <laughs> <laughs> Such a bad film. Yeah, terrible, terrible film. Um, so uh, before we talk about uh, potentially maybe a terrible film, who knows? Who maybe, maybe not? Maybe we'll find out. Uh, but we Probably we should not. do uh, a little recap. Alexander, uh, let people know uh, why we're doing this. Uh, because, of mm-hmm. course, we are the show that chronologically reviews Anne Hathaway's entire IMDb and that has chronologically reviewed Tom Hanks's entire IMDb. Um, but that's not the whole story, is it, Alexander? Because, well, in season one, you know, aliens invaded. We had to prove our worth to join the United States of space. And so we were showing them the movies of Tom Hanks to see whether humanity was worth... Um, uh, saving, uh, but they disagreed. Uh, the aliens, they, 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 they felt like the works of Tom Hanks were not good enough, and so they, they blew up the planet. We had, we had a little bit of an apocalypse. Uh, I died, obviously, uh, between season Sometimes. one and season two. I died tragically. Um, uh, you then, I believe, uh, travelled via boat uh, to the United yeah. Kingdom to uh, bring me back to life with. My resurrection magic, which, of course, we know we established in season one. Everyone knows this. I used to bring back a bunch of baby Yodas to life. Go back and listen to season one if you want to learn about that, you losers. Anyway, um, you brought me back to life uh, with my spell books uh, imbued uh, into the podcast. Uh, though I did come back 15% more raccoon. I, see, I feel, like I, I feel like in season one, I had a lot stronger grasp of the of of what of the story every time and i find myself when i'm going into this one and i guess it's because i died i mean i died you died all right so lean back lean back big boy and let me tell you uh, a tale of woe okay (laughs) we are are about 20 episodes uh, into this season and i am lost alexander you died you came back a little bit more raccoon and what does that mean jamie okay first of all you got a cute little tail and you got like a little bandito mask that's the important thing. You know, always you look like a character from the Umbrella Academy. You've got a little bandito mask. You look like you're ready to rob some shit, all right? And you also have a taste for garbage. So not much has mm-hmm. changed. Yep. Um, of course, uh, we were then out in the wilderness. You know, we were we were doing this podcast. I had to go back to Canada because that's where my visa is for currently. And I didn't want to waste my visa. So I left you uh, to rummage through the trash cans of the UK alone. And uh, across, across the medium of uh, podcasts, we decided that we must kind of galvanize humanity all right yeah we must take the dregs of what is left of of the human race and we must rise into a fight first against the raccoons our natural foe uh, that is why of course you were cursed to be more raccoon when you came back because they are humanity's enemies fun fact jamie uh raccoon attacks in toronto are up 60 percent 60 percent i am terrified people could die 
I could die. Look, are, are raccoon attacks up 60% or are we just more aware of them now? Uh, you know, is, is it coming more into the public conscience and they're just being reported more? But this Jesus was always Christ. happening, Alexander. This was always <laughs> happening and we have to accept that. Jamie's just over there in the corner being like, not all raccoons. Um, <laughs> so... Uh... I, I do not like that characterization. I said it was always happening. It was just underreported <laughs> before. I feel like I was on the right side of the raccoon debate. You were, you were definitely on the right side of that joke. Um... <laughs> Jesus Christ. So yeah. obviously, uh, you know, we need to kind of galvanize humanity. So we had, I had resurrected Jamie. We were talking kind of long distance. We thought to ourselves, uh, what if we had a little startup? And this startup was a literal startup because it resurrected people. How would you do that? How do we bring back humanity? How do we galvanize them? We need an army. We need, we need, we need people, women and men and everyone else in between and not in between the people who and are part not on the people. Exactly, raccoon people too, because you know we 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 like to fight back against the system. We need to resurrect them. We shall do so through the power of the podcast. We shall imbue the podcast with the resurrection magic, and that in turn will bring people back from the dead. They will come back five percent more raccoon each time, and as long as they were killed by aliens, specifically, we can't kill yes, them. If we, they yes, we, we, we can't. Yeah, we cannot bring back anyone else who died. Unfortunately, only the people who died canonically between season one and season two due to the apocalypse. But of course. I don't know why we recap this every week, because everyone knows this. This this is their lived experience. The only people alive are the people who listen to this podcast, which, of course, now canonically includes Taylor Swift, Tom Hanks, Joe Biden, and Kamala Harris. We all know this, everyone. And I believe everyone who produces the PlayStation 5. <laughs> we did it, Jamie. We did it. We did we're, it, we're, we're, we're gathering a, an admittedly rather old uh, and and feeble uh, army at the moment. Perhaps we need to to work on galvanizing uh, some some more uh, some stronger allies. Let's let's bring uh, back AOC. Okay, that's what we got to do, right? <laughs> Come on, we need we need if we want to get some people on board, let's just bring back a. A load of uh, young Twitter socialists. So, of course, um, if anyone does know AOC, uh, please do uh, steal her phone, download every episode of the podcast, and bring her back to life. Uh, don't, don't steal her phone, okay? Don't, st- don't steal the... Whoa, I do realise that. steal just... non-famous people's phones. We are not calling <laughs> you to steal famous people's phones. That is very important. I believe important I have just advocated for treason, maybe? I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't I come wish. from that country. It's fine. Guys, uh, this is really important. Everything we say on this podcast, at the beginning, we make the quote bunny marks with our fingers, and at the end, we go unquote to make sure you know it's ironic. Everything said on the podcast is not true. Um, but uh, yeah, so of, of course, uh, Jamie, it, it's because we need influencers, all right? In the same way that uh, when you want to get vaccines out, you give famous people a vaccine first because uh, they matter more and you want to you know, influence people to get the vaccine. So too, we have uh, gone to the most famous people, uh, apparently old people, uh, Joe Biden, <laughs> Uh, who, of course, is in his 70s, Kamala Harris, who I think is above her 50s, and Taylor Swift, who's actually 135. <laughs> uh, and we are we're using them to kind of bring back the old people so they, in turn, can influence the younger generations, okay? And slowly but surely, the uh, anti-alien and raccoon army is building. Uh, and as we make our, our way to our first stand, of course. Um, uh, what you know, do you think Joe Biden's favourite episode of the podcast is? <laughs> Oh, it's the one where we uh, make sure that Tom Hanks is taken off Band of Brothers. Specifically, very specifically. <laughs> he was there for the... the... <laughs> uh, see, I was going to say any of the racist movies we made in the 80s. <laughs> Not we made. Fuck. Uh, about... uh, anyway, uh, so that is why, of course, we are doing what we are doing and why we must strive on and review this week's film rachel getting married and before we get into anything else 
that title Alexander? Doesn't make any grammatical sense. This is Rachel getting married. Where, where's Rachel is getting married or the one where Rachel's getting married? There's some, there's some, there's a word missing and I don't like it. Rachel getting married is not a phrase. It doesn't make sense. There's, 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 I, I, I feel like I should know because I'm a year, uh, I am an English teacher. I should know, you know, the, the uh, parts of speech that are missing. I love, you know, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's a, a, a determiner. Uh, perhaps it's an adverb. Who knows? But there's oh, something missing. Bless. No, I, I, it's more of a, uh, I think it might actually be a gerund in this case. I think it's, it, it, it's using the verb to like, as an, either as an adjective really like it's like it is rachel like rachel is it's not rachel is getting married it's rachel in the state of getting married it's rachel getting married this is the film i think this is a rachel getting married but my knowledge yeah, of Gerund is limited to Latin. The, we don't I, really I, use it in English. But, but then, but then I feel like it should still have that bit before where it's it like, "This comma. is the look." I prefer. I would. I would like this film uh, to instead be called "This is the film of Rachel getting married." The entire title should explain it to me a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's not enough for me right now, uh, and I am confused. Uh, I, another I, thing, I, I'm confu- I want to throw oh. it out here. Uh, Alyssa kept coming in, being like, "Is Rachel? It was Rachel married yet?" And I'm like, "No, Rachel's getting <laughs> married." <laughs> Well, that, to be fair, I mean, it is a very accurate title. In the entire film, Rachel is getting married. Getting married. Only for, say, the last, ooh, five minutes of the film is she in the state of being married. It, almost entirely, she is getting married. Anyway, that's far too much. Before we uh, get into talking a little bit about uh, the, <laughs> the film context... Uh, can I just stop you for a quick sec? Yep. I really love the idea that you have a little joke journal, which you work on. We've <laughs> talked about the joke journal in the past, we're bringing it back, which you kind of work on while you're watching the film. You're like, ooh, this could be a good bit. You kind of write it down. And like the title came up and you went, Rachel getting married. That doesn't make grammatical sense. <laughs> Point I, one I reckon Virginia. I could go on a on a full two minute run about this thing. Let's go. Um, I I have got in trouble before uh, with my girlfriend. Uh, unfortunately, she is uh, no longer. Um, uh, we haven't broken up or anything. She's just moved back into her flat. I was about to say she's no longer living with me. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I no longer get to watch the films with her. But when I did, I would get in trouble for very clearly workshopping bits <laughs> while we watch the film. And I'm like, well, I need to know whether they're funny or not. Because Al won't laugh at them. So I need you to. Anyway. Um, yes. Uh, before we start discussing uh, a little bit about this film, it is, of course, our segment Top of the Bops. The segment uh, suggested by a uh, dear friend of the podcast, uh, Lottie, where... I just tell to get you in the mindset of someone who would be watching this film from 2008 or released on January 23rd, 2009 in the UK. I'm going to play for you what was number one in the UK when this film came out. And Alexander, it's a bop this week. It is Lady Gaga, Just Dance. I'm not sharing my sound. Fuck. Uh, one just second, one second. Stall, stall, stall. Shit. Uh, guys, share. Just Dance. Okay, uh, no, shut up. It's good. Ah, Lady Gaga. It's totally smooth. Lady Gaga, Just Jamie, I really miss the uh, video to quickly sidetrack into Jamie's Gamey Corner. Corner. Oh, Jamie's Gamey Corner, of course. Um, Hello, and welcome to Jamie's Gamey Corner, where I must talk like this. 
We're going to move in real close and we're going to talk real quiet. Uh, just to muck up the audio level so Jamie gets rest out later <laughs> while uh, editing this. Uh, yeah, I really miss the trend of uh, video games where you would just have like in-room party games. So things like Just Dance, the video game, where oh, you know, yes, it's just fun, you got to dance and now it's all cool and you know, like you got to do something in person. Uh, and I feel like at the moment we've gotten rid of that completely and that's kind of sad. Like even local co-op games aren't really as much of a thing anymore and that's a bummer because, hey, like playing Fall Guys, for instance, can you play Fall Guys local co-op? Because if not, like I'd like to do that. I, I do fun. not believe you can, no. And it seems the perfect sort of game for it, I agree. We are missing the early days of things like uh, Mario Kart, Mario Party, uh, Super Mario Brothers, you know, the Marios, but others of uh, first-person shooters where you would all gather around a small television and promise not to look at the other person's screen and then definitely look at the other person's screen oh, yeah. so you can kill them and then completely deny that you were going to do it. Or perhaps you could uh, gather around and play rock band and be worse than other people and fail <laughs> out before everyone else, so kind of just sit there on your fucking little drum set while everyone else finishes the song. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's a real thing that happens. It's just a hypothetical suggestion. Cool. This has been Jamie's Gamey Corner. Welcome back to Blanks Bank. Of course, yes, that was... Uh, so that, that really... I feel like Just Dance absolutely gets you uh, really in the mood for Rachel getting married. Uh, yeah, a film Jamie, about the, the, Anne Hathaway uh, coming out it. of rehab uh, and going to her sister's wedding. Can I just say, uh, I really appreciate that you think that the people who watch Rachel getting married in cinemas are also the people listening to Just Dance. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, I can I can guarantee that that's almost certainly not the case, uh, considering uh, Just Dance was number one in the UK. And this film made uh, a paltry $17.5 million on a $12 million budget back its money just about you perhaps uh, those budgets often don't include marketing so maybe it, uh, it actually lost money uh, so not not a hugely uh, successful film at the box office but a relatively critically successful film something that I was surprised by for some reason I went into this thinking it was a bad movie uh, and then I discovered that Anne Hathaway got nominated for an Oscar for this movie uh, which is pertinent this week alexander we haven't talked about it but of course we are discussing a film in which anne hathaway gets nominated for an oscar in a week in which anne hathaway has been nominated for a razzie uh for those people who don't know uh, a razzie is the uh sort of joke award given out each year uh for the worst films of the year uh and anne hathaway uh has been cited for her portrayal of eleanor McCann, uh, mcmahon in The Last Thing He Wanted on Netflix, and also uh, in Roald Dahl's the, v the Witches, which I didn't hear that many bad things about, but apparently oh. the Razzies disagree. Well, here's the thing. So the thing with The Witches was... Uh, there was a I, I heard that people had issues... Yeah, I heard people yeah. had issues with it being problematic due to uh, disfigurements or, or disabilities yeah, that were uh, shown in the film. Classic uh, horror slash any movie trope of the villain is someone who is physically uh, other otherly abled. So I think in this case, it's that like Anne Hathaway has uh, when she's in her witch form has like three fingers, but they're kind of claw like shapes, which is close to a actual like thing that some people have. Um, yeah, and so would... depicting that as evil is uh, not great for those people. No, I I, I think. Uh, however, I don't think that's an acting choice. 
like I don't think Anne Hathaway yeah. came came to the like you know the the CGI director or whatever and was like yo I I really want to specifically like t- took out photos of people with disabilities and was like made my fingers look like these okay, <laughs> I don't think that's her choice so I don't think that makes a I don't think that should be I, can, can we very briefly go into this do you think the Razzies I often think about this in the context of like we talk about films which are bad quite a lot yeah and there is a degree to which I'm always wondering about what is the place for uh criticism of bad movies like rather than just being like just don't watch it or whatever like laying into this kind of stuff and like you know you know going at a film which is bad like to what to what extent is that fair to what extent is that like okay and we talk about that a lot so it's not really, uh, so much of the issue here the, the issue is more in the context of something like the razzies which is a very public <laughs> we think your thing fucking sucks this year how do you think that's in good spirits, do you think that's in bad spirit? How do you feel about the Razzies? I'm I'm pretty okay with the Razzies, mostly because the majority of the time they're not they're not actually giving awards to the actual worst movies because unfortunately the worst movies made that year were not made by Hollywood. They like, do you know how many movies are made a year? Like some some dude in his back garden who made a film to submit to a film festival. And you know, I, the artistic pursuit is great and always you know, but there there are obviously worse yeah. movies than the ones they always just go for, oh, what is a movie with a big actor in it or big cast that just was a little bit of a flop. So it's fun to make fun of them. And also these people are millionaires. Uh, well, you know, not everyone who works on the film is a millionaire, but most of the time they but, are yeah. taking shots at the large people, which is why, you know, most of the time that they give these awards, they they like the Doctor Doolittle film also got nominated uh, for with uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, and I'm sure that was a pretty rubbish performance, but they're taking a shot because it's Robbie Down Robert Downey Jr. That's why. I I, I think you're point that I, I also you didn't explicitly make it but i think is implied that it which i think is fair is that they're not punching down film wise they're not taking no, a bunch exactly. of like small indie, like for the most part they're taking films with even if they are indie films they're indie films with bigger actors in them rather than just like small passion projects which you know with nobody in them who's vaguely successful in hollywood yeah like it wouldn't right. be fun for them just to go hey guys look at these guys who spent 10 grand of their own money to make a film and it's not that fucking good what dickheads yeah no I, I, and to be fair though there is also a history of like people going to accept their razzies which i am always yeah, here which is for. good fun uh halle berry um, going to accept it for um yeah halle berry's uh, done it uh i'm forgetting her name miss congeniality uh sandra bullock sandra bullock i yes. believe is uh acceptable i think she has no, I'm wrong. I was about to say I thought she had uh, won an Oscar in the same year, but she definitely had either won an Oscar or been nominated for an Oscar by that point. So I think there are people who can just take it in good stride, uh, especially if they have been critically acclaimed elsewhere. I Most yeah. of these people know that they make bad movies. Not all actors strive to just absolutely know they're making their best work every single time. Sometimes, you know, you just want to make a bit of a silly little movie. Maybe yeah, you just want to be out of number and you want, like, you want to just, like, get paid and uh, take all a, your friends on holiday. There was a very good article, I think, about... I think it was on BuzzFeed, actually. Uh, but, but, like, one of their kind of more... Gen- like, BuzzFeed News kind of side, talking yeah. about um, Robert De Niro. And it was kind of like, I think the question it was posed to is, like, how was an actor of Robert De Niro's stature, like, in the... You know, from 2005 onwards, why is he making a load of shit? And the kind of thing it basically argues is just, like at a certain point, an actor's value starts to diminish because of, like, you know, people stop really wanting to see them and stuff. And as such, they, if you want to keep working, you just take the work 
you get. Like, if you get offered Bad Grandpa, you make Bad Grandpa because you like acting. And it's not necessarily because of money. Like, Robert De Niro was financially successful elsewhere now, too. And you just, if you're a journeyman kind of actor, like, you keep showing up for the craft. And as someone who uh, has definitely made a lot of bad art in his time, yeah. it's still pretty fun. Is yeah. fun. Like, if you like acting, if you like doing that, it's fun to do it. Even if you know that what you're making ain't the best thing in the world, it's just fun to hang out with your pals, pretend you're someone else. I, <laughs> I think it's very... about existence. I think something what? which I find interesting is the way in which, like, a director, for the most part, at least a, a film director, actually, pretty uniquely, has the ability to create a... And I think this is where auto theory comes back into, for me, a, a, a slightly more... Um, it's a lot of people, like, I think, misread auto theory or, or use it as overly defensive of stuff. But I think the place where it is true is that, like, an actor, to some extent, doesn't really have control over their body of work. That an no. act, like they they can control their performances, but like to some extent, that's not necessarily. Yeah, and unless you get to like a really astronomical level of success, and I'm talking, you know, yeah, maybe there's ten to twenty people working at any one time who have this level of success, where you can pick your own movies, mm-hmm. uh, like really selectively. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're you're going to end up in some duds, and that's fun. Like, and and like, yeah. and other way was in two bad movies this year, and I don't think the Razzie's got to uh, the the lockdown movie, which I also don't think is going to be very good. And Anne Hathaway's oh, a I've very seen, successful. I've seen actor. half of that, and Jamie, guess what? Uh, I I have watched half of it. Uh, I was uh, bullied out of watching the rest. I thought it was fantastic, but maybe <laughs> that's because I haven't been in London for like a year and a half. Okay, maybe I just like seeing people go kind of crazy in lockdown in London. It was all a good time. We'll watch that. It's gonna be great. Uh, right. Jimmy, we're gonna watch Alex... that like two years time or like yes. a year and a half. No, and yeah, it's... no. Anne Hathaway does not have that many movies. Uh, we're gonna be done with this in less than a year. It's great. Um. Alexander, if you didn't know, of course, for the last 10 minutes, we've been in the film context section of this. So I'm going to give you more. I've already exhaustively given you so much information about Rachel getting married, such as that Anne Hathaway is in it and that it made $17.5 million. Um, it's, uh, it's, this this film uh, was written by uh, Jenny Lumet, or Jenny Lumet, I'm not really sure. Um, Lumet. And Lumet, I thought so. Uh and and you might you might know that surname uh, because she's the daughter of Sidney Lumet, a uh, famous Hollywood director of films such as uh, Twelve Angry Men and Network and Serpico. Um, and yeah, th- this is exactly as it sounds. Uh, Jenny Lumet has not had not had anything written uh, previously. She did not go on to write anything else. In fact, she was a high school drama teacher at the time. Uh, but Sidney Lumet just took the script to the director, Jonathan Dem. Again, uh, a very well-known director uh, of films such as, oh, I've lost them. So um, Slams, Philadelphia. I've been uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, obviously, connection to uh, to Tom Hanks um, uh, and Silence of the Lambs, as you say. Um, so, uh, yeah, th- th- this is just a guy getting his daughter's movie made. Now, you know whatever it's not like 12 million dollars is a pretty small budget uh he sydney lumet probably had that money himself um uh so whatever uh he gets a big director on board um and it was uh originally under the working title dancing with shiva now that might come back because alexander i don't know if you noticed there's there's a lot of indian influence on this movie the the the, the wedding in the movie is an indian wedding uh, yep. They eat a lot of Indian food. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to go through the cast list. Just, just 
just let me know when I, when I mention anyone who's Indian in this movie. Yeah, uh, so Anne Hathaway uh, plays Kim uh, with a Y. Uh, Rosemary DeWitt plays uh, the titular Rachel. Uh, Bill Irwin plays Paul Buckman, the dad. Sure. Deborah Winger plays their mum. Uh, Tunde Adapimpe plays Sidney Williams, the uh, groom of the wedding. Uh, Mother well, Zickle well, plays the... There for a second, yep. okay? Because he plays a character who, uh, at the very least, spends some time in Haiti. Uh, you know, and of course the... I missed that, that. I thought he grew up in, in Jamaica. Uh, sorry, Jamaica. Yeah, apologies. Um, yeah. I, but, you know, you know obviously Kingston, the, kind of the, the Caribbean Sea... Uh, you know, parts that have been described, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, as the West Indies, which... Yes. So in yes. a way, the word Indian, so and people from there can be described as West Indian, uh, which includes the word Indian. I, you see what I'm thinking? Yes, I, I see. Like, those the, those first three letters are really key uh, into our connection into this movie. Um, uh, there's uh, a couple of other um, uh, people in this movie, no one who's particularly well known. Uh, other than Sebastian Stan, um, who plays uh, Bucky in the uh, Avengers movies, uh, appears in this movie for like three seconds at the beginning of the movie. Um, another thing, uh, you mentioned that, yes, uh, Sydney, uh, the character, is uh, from Jamaica, and uh, that has a big influence on the film. There's a lot of uh, Jamaican music at the wedding uh, and things like that. Now, Alexander, if I were to tell you that this, this role was originally going to go to Paul Thomas Anderson... Would you be slightly confused? Because I was extremely confused. <laughs> um, Paul Thomas Anderson, the, the husband of Maya Rudolph. Yes. Uh, Paul Paul Thomas Anderson. Well, maybe. I don't know if he's married to... Paul Thomas Anderson is in Paul Thomas Anderson as in the director. The extremely white man. Well, um, oh, Jamie, let me tell you. Uh, I, I, we're both British. We know that there were definitely some... That there could be people who lived in Jamaica... Uh, who were, you know, not sure. Who, I mean, I, I want, I want to see the film where they make it with Paul Thomas Anderson, and the film is exactly the same, and it just beat for beat, exactly the same. I'm sure that would have gone down well. Um, Let me tell you about a thing called colonization. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, uh, that's uh, most of most of the sort of fact. The other interesting fact uh, you will have, I assume, noticed, Alexander, that this film uh, is filled with music, just absolutely filled with music. Mm-hmm. Music is going on constantly uh, because apparently every one of Sydney's friend is an, a friends is an accomplished musician and is just constantly playing uh, around the house while they're preparing uh, for the wedding. Uh, and that was also happening on set. Uh, they wanted to have a naturalistic uh, vibe for the music in this film. So they just invited a bunch of musicians down to the set and just told them to start playing. Just like play whenever they felt like it. And they just composed the score on set. Uh, uh, and this caused an issue at one point. Yeah. Uh, when, uh, when the sound engineers who had to work well, on yes, this Well, yes, huge issue. Uh, but Anne Hathaway was in the middle of a uh, particularly... Um, emotionally distressing scene and she just said to the director um can they stop playing fucking music please and the director just went well you do something about it they're playing music and so in the scene uh, you will know the scene uh, she yeah. just goes can they stop playing fucking music and another actress now this is a cool thing that ends up it's like an improvised moment so another actress who's not particularly involved in the scene goes around and speaks to the musicians and goes guys can you knock it off please now it works really well, in, and it's, like, cool to learn that that's improvised. But that must really suck for those musicians. Like, they have no clue that this is, like, part of the scene or being improvised. They've just got someone just come over and goes, Guys, you know your job that you were invited here to do? Could you stop fucking doing it, please? Um, but, yes, uh, music... Uh, 
as such uh is throughout this movie uh it's it's almost overwhelming how much music there is in this movie uh especially diegetic music um that's that's everything i have to say uh about uh this film it originally toured the um film festival market before uh, a wide release um but yeah that's that's what i've got of this film rachel getting married just 35 minutes into the podcast now do you want to talk about this movie <laughs> Yeah. Oh this wait, is where oh, we become more... it's not it's not even time for talking about this movie because it's now time for Six Degrees of Tom Hanks. This is the part of the podcast where we are connecting um the these films to our erstwhile season one star Tom Hanks by virtue of the game Six Degrees of Separation. Anyone who's listened to this note before knows how this works, and if you haven't, well you'll figure it out immediately. Uh so Alexander, I can do it in two. Um uh, I I told you not to steal mine, uh, so you said you've got so, a longer one. Here, no, here's the thing: I originally was like I can do it in, and I thought it was four, and then I realised I can do it in one. <laughs> oh, you can do it in what? Wait, someone in this movie is in a movie with Tom Hanks. Yes. Oh shit! Well, I will so, go. I will go with my two. I was. I'll go with my two because mine's sure. worse. This is ca- this is countdown rules. Um, so uh, I I mentioned him. Sebastian Stan. He's in this movie uh, at the very beginning. And you know the Marvel movies are the movies that keep on giving because I can use them every single time. Um, uh, Bucky Rogers, I assume, appears in one of the goddamn Avengers movies uh, with Karen Gillan, uh, and Karen Gillan is in the circle with Tom Hanks. There is my two. Ooh, I'm, I'm see, here's the thing. Originally, I'd, I'd come out with a longer one, which was Paul Lazar, who's in this um, as uh, he shows up because one of the guests at the when they're kind of doing the opening ceremony kind of bit where they're playing music and telling stand up and stuff. Um, is also in Sounds of the Lambs. In Sounds of the Lambs, he plays one of the uh, kind of like PhD students who's studying insects. It's kind of creepy. Also, Jonathan Den film, which obviously also stars. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins stars as uh, Odin in Thor Ragnarok, which also stars Matt Damon, and Matt Damon stars in uh, Saving Prior Ryan. However, upon getting to that point, I realised that Paul Lazar also stars in another Jonathan Demme movie, which of course is Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Is he in Philadelphia? I do. Yes. Very well done. I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I don't know if any of our audiences are, but I, well done. <laughs> um, so <laughs> well with done, that... Man. Uh, Alexander, it is your favourite part of the show. Let's go through this movie relatively quickly. There's of like course. six scenes in it. Uh, yeah, it's it's mostly just character stuff. There's very, very, very little plot. Uh, Jamie, this starts, as all good films should, uh, with uh, Punky Brewster, just, you know, Punky Anne Hathaway, smoking a cigarette, looking real cool. All right, guys, did you ever think that cigarettes weren't cool? Well, you're wrong. They're cool here, guys. Now, now I do hate to stop us immediately but i would like to explain to you uh, my experience of the actual beginning of this movie which is uh just the cast list coming up in just white white face on uh on black background Whoa. that's it white face jamie <laughs> do you think that's okay white face white, white type face you know what i meant fuck you <laughs> um, uh, literally that's all that's on screen and i and i was watching that and it was just that. Nothing else was happening. I thought, fuck, this is a really like intense start to this movie. How dark is it? And then I realized my TV was on mute. And it, there was music playing the entire time. But I sat through a solid 30 seconds of just actors' names like, fuck me, they're really going for a mood in this movie. Um, but yes, as you say, we've got uh, Anne Hathaway in her Punky Brewster. Uh, how can you tell that Anne Hathaway is a recovering drug addict? Well, she's smoking uh, and has heavy eye makeup. That's it. That's it. That's the classic movie signs of oh, this is someone 
who's uh, you know, on, on the wrong side of the tracks, maybe. Um, Good people don't smoke cigarettes. Bad people who have <laughs> addictions to drugs do. Yeah. Uh, so she's waiting she outside is, uh, of rehab. Yeah, outside of rehab with Sebastian Stan, uh, a pyromaniac who likes burning down libraries. Uh, and she's off uh, to go to her sister's wedding. She's talking to uh, the kind her of... doctor? Uh, yeah, you can read... Uh, is she explicitly a doctor? Yeah, let's say. Uh, sure. what, one of the, the Person, people who works at the facility. Sure. Um, they're kind of talking about her going back to the wedding. Uh, she mentions that they hooked up, which I, yes. I, I find kind of interesting. Extreme, she's like, can extremely I get your ethically number? questionable. Yeah, she's like, oh, could I, you never gave me your number. The doctor's like, I really shouldn't have done that, so we're not going to give you my number. Um, at this point, Rachel, uh, not Rachel, sorry, uh, she's playing Kim with a Y not Kim, Kim with, with a an... Y Kim with a Y you know just completely normal decisions made for this movie oh yeah guys Kim with a if you call your child Kim with a Y you look I unless it's like a family thing guys come on no. I, I, in fact I will go so far as to say I should get to punch you just once only once whoa not, and not Kim not the child the child the child doesn't deserve it the child didn't do anything but you specifically <laughs> Me. We, we guys, we own. Yes, yes. If, guys, if, if anyone wants to send in a friend's thoughts that they've named their kid Kim, I will punch Alexandra in the face. I thought it was the idea that Jamie just has a, uh, like a little diary, like in his joke journal, he just kind of writes in the front cover every time he meets someone called Kim, and the next time he sees each other, he just gonna punch him in the face five <laughs> times. Uh, right. Um, um, so she gets picked up by her dad. Uh, her dad is a bit of a nervous wreck. He's like, you know, wants to make sure she's eating right, wants to make sure she's kind of staying away from certain people. He's very mm-hmm. nervous in the way that uh, I think people who surround addicts can be. Um, you know, he wants to make sure everything is perfect for yeah. Rachel's wedding. As for you Rachel's might wedding. be able to tell from yeah. the title of the film, Rachel getting married. Yeah, Rachel um, Rachel getting married. See, see, you you see how something's missing. You you, you agree with me anyway. But it, it's um, sort of, here's here's my thing. In the sense of it is Rachel in the state of getting married, uh, it, it kind of makes sense because it, it is about it is about Rachel getting married. Getting married. Um, um, so yes, he's with um, his uh, new partner, new wife. It's clear that um, uh, it is not Kim's mother. Uh, Kim asks after her mother and is sort of deflected a little bit. She's like, yeah, yeah, no, your mum, yeah, pretty, yeah she's, she's about, she'll, she'll be there. Um, and it's also made clear that uh, this wedding is a little bit slapdash. Uh, we are we are two days, one day before the wedding, uh, and they're still, you know, rushing around the house planning things. Um, so they get back to the house and uh, Kim see, meets her, um, meets or re- re- reunites with her sister and they just have a, you know, a fun, giggly chat as sisters do. Uh, this whole film is shot very uh, cinema verite, uh, which means oh. all of the shots suck. Um, well, it's, it's, here's my thing. The thing which it looks most like is uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Which yeah. is a problem for the movie. It, it is very, very cinema verite. Yeah, everything, everything is handheld camera. Uh, like, in, in fact, uh, the 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 cinematographer was directed was not told like they didn't do any practice for these scenes. The cinematographer was just like, just like be somewhere and just like capture yeah. shit. Um, if you ever feel like you can't cool shoot a movie on an scene. iPhone, watch this film. You can shoot a movie on an iPhone, guys. You can do it. <laughs> Don't worry. Um. So yeah, basically, uh, you know, tensions are a little bit high at the house because. They're getting ready for the uh, for the wedding. Um, we then get uh, the first. Just can we yep. quickly just uh, just touch on Rachel and Kim's 
dynamic. So, like, obviously sure. they're introduced. Um, very quickly, Kim's like, you're so skinny. You look so, like, it's very, like, oh, you look fantastic. You're so skinny. In that kind of, like, weird 2005 sort of way. Um, she kind of alludes to Kim maybe being, like, anorexic. Kim's uncomfortable about this. There is an off-color joke. I think early on we're meant to know that Kim is, like, pricklish. Uh, you're meant yeah. to kind of... You're meant to maybe empathize with Kim, but not necessarily like Kim. Like she, there she makes a, a bit of an off-color joke about uh, you're so skinny, something like you're so skinny. You, you must look be like you're Asian or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, also, Rachel has a friend there uh, who thinks called like Elizabeth or something or Beth, and uh, Beth and Kim do not get on. They do not like each other. They are yeah, not not pals. Mm-hmm. Um, we then get our first uh, AA meeting. Uh, she's, or maybe it's a, a, a narcotics on us. Either way, it's a 12 step program, um, very clearly uh, heavily influenced uh, by Christianity uh, and finding God. Uh, and Anne Hathaway is there, and she also spots uh, a gentleman there. And we might see that gentleman again. Um, but yeah, it's it's the, the the point is she's going to, to Narcotics Anonymous or, or, or AA and she's in some sort of 12-step program. She comes back to the house uh, and she gets introduced uh, to Sydney uh, by Rachel to, to the husband and also to the best man. And who's this? Oh, it's the gentleman we spotted at the AA meeting earlier. Ooh, maybe there's some... And they're fucking. They are immediately fucking. It literally cuts straight to them fucking. Um, just straight away, they recognize, look, like, this is our yeah. roles in these movies. Let's not have any... Let's not have any, like, build yeah. up. And they, will they, won't they? To, let's just fuck immediately. To the extent that the film then goes... Uh, Anne Hathaway, the voice of the film goes, she's like, well, you know, you're the best man. I'm the maid of honor. So, like, naturally, we've got to fuck. And he's like, oh... Oh, I did, yeah, I, did, uh, I thought uh, Beth was supposed to be the old, uh, the old uh, I don't know why I'm saying this now, because clearly this is a massive, why would I say this? Why would I be the bearer of this news? But I guess I'm the person who's going to tell you. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be Beth's the maid of honor. Uh, and right, uh, Kim is clearly a little bit pissed off about this. Uh, she goes, uh, she's meeting with uh, Rachel and Beth. Um this is, uh, again, the point where uh, they are all uh, getting dressed in their clothes for the wedding. They are trying them on. Uh, they are all saris for some reason. Um, again, yeah. this whole wedding is Indian-themed. There is not a single Indian or South Asian person in this movie, yep. and I cannot explain it. It's it's not like... I often try explaining to my... I remember, not recently, but like maybe five six years ago i remember having this conversation with my mom about like cultural appropriation and like why it's weird and it's it's not that like the problem is liking india or like liking things which are indian that's not that's not the problem the issue is when you're like this culture is a costume for me yeah like that like it's when i'm going to reduce this thing to like i'm not indian no one here is indian it's a bit it's a bit weird for us to be having an indian wedding but also importantly not an actual indian it's not like having a hindi wedding or anything no you are just just, just, it is stylistically it is an indian aesthetic it's very odd weird because you are in that sense whether good good or i mean this is just weird you are appropriating this aesthetic because you like it aesthetically and yeah it is really weird for a bunch of people to be like trying on lilac saris when no one there is vaguely indian or whatever like you know if they were having a jamaican themed wedding it would make a bit more sense when the character yeah is like jamaican. like I, I i truly don't under, like when you when you veer away from paul thomas anderson and instead uh you you cast uh, a person from jamaican descent i don't know if the actual actor is but the character is a person from jamaican descent uh as sydney 
Like, why not just go for that? Well, like, where, like so it seems to make sense. Well, here's um, the thing. I remember as a kid, I say a kid, I mean when I was like 17, 18, not parties I went to, but like people at my school having like similar aesthetic parties, like for like their like 18th or 21st birthdays, whatever it was, like, and being like, this is weird. Like, it's a... Yeah, no, no, Alexander, we both went to private school. We know that there are there are many problematic actions that uh, that may have happened uh, around us. And, you know, we, we just we just move past them. We move past them. We judge them. We, te- we tell them they're yeah, terrible. Jamie, we didn't take and, part. And, I, and, and obviously, we I do punch them in the face. I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't go to them. I, I, will, put, I will fully put it out there that uh, that did not happen to me. <laughs> I, I don't know why I suddenly hopped on board with this. This story that you had like yeah no 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 that did not happen to me that's a fucking weird thing uh yeah, yeah. but of course i do punch them in the face if, if i do ever come across these people i punch alexander in the face as punishment for it um anyway when jamie uh, meets racists i get punched in the face that's <laughs> when jamie sees a nazi he's been taught not to punch nazis so he just punches me instead that, that's the kind of the way to display the anger. um Goodness gracious, we are 20 minutes into this. So, okay, so, so at this point, she's like, why am I not made of honor, bitch? Yeah, and, Jamie, and, there's, the, and there's prickly tension, basically. Yeah, uh, look, here's my thing. If you were in rehab for nine months and you found out your sister was getting married and you weren't explicitly told at that point, do you want to be, like, your brother's getting married, will you be my best man? You would naturally assume you weren't the best man, wouldn't you? Like, uh, I would assume that. However, of course, on this podcast, uh, around about 18 months ago, I did start the campaign to become your best man. And Alexander, I would like to say, unlike the best man in this movie, if I were to be your best man, I would not sleep with Alyssa's sister. I can just, I, I will put that out there. I don't know if Alyssa has a sister, but, you know, I, I won't sleep with any members of Alyssa's family. I can promise you that right now, and that's the kind of good best man that I that's, would be. That's honestly the kind of, here's the, I, I do want to say, the qualities you have, which would actually make you decent for a best person, is that you are <laughs> oh, very... Oh, my not fucking family members qualities. Well, yeah, one, it's not fucking family members. Two, it's also, you have a very good ability for forcing people into a room together. As in, like, you can... You can <laughs> Whoa, organize, ow! You can throw a party quite well. No, no, I mean, like, in the sense of, like, you can throw a... Yes, a, a, I know a, what you meant, but please rephrase it and at least clarify. <laughs> you can force people in a room to enter one leaves. Jamie's greatest skill is forcing did, man yes, to fight I man I did, of course, but start a fight club at university. Very oh. good. Um, <laughs> we used to have a sixth friend, but no longer. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yes. So J- J- Jamie's murdering people. What's he doing? No. Um, so so she's really pissed that she's not made of honor to the yeah. extent that the sister then goes, "Fine, Beth, do you want to not be the maid of honor?" Beth's like, "Okay, I guess sure." Beth gives it up, being like, "Well, I guess you're just second choice then, aren't you?" And she's like, "Cool." Yeah. Again, I don't want to be anyone's second choice for best person. All right. No, there not at all. Other roles, especially at the especially when that person is right there. Like if if the other person dropped out and, and like yeah. uh, and then you was like, oh, "I need someone else." Like, I know this kind of awkward situation, but like, like whatever. <laughs> if I'm like forcing the other person out in that moment, uh, no, also, not I ideal. Take, I don't think you should make siblings best people because if you have other siblings, it's awkward. And more importantly, if they don't then return the same thing to you, like you'll feel really shitty about that. All right. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I can't make comments on that because I think my brother listens to this podcast. So I don't want to swing the needle <laughs> Jamie either wants way. to be everyone's best man. All right. <laughs> just, make, just make Jamie. Do you know Jamie? Doesn't matter. Just make him your best man. Okay. He wants to be the best, best man in the context. Uh, of... And I promise you that I will not throw a very weird rehearsal dinner like happens in this movie because the oh next God, 25 so minutes, the next 25, and this is sort of a theme of this movie. It takes its goddamn time. And I get it's the point. Point, but I could summarize the next 25 minutes of this movie yeah. 
in about three sentences. Go. They are all watching uh, a like recital, like high school talent show, and One. Anne Hathaway One. kind of has fun at the beginning and then stops. One. They then go to the rehearsal dinner. Everyone is having fun, giving fun speeches. The best man speaks. The the maid of honor, well, the former maid of honor speak. Uh, all these friends, they're giving great speeches. Anne Hathaway is at the end of the table. She feels a little bit uncomfortable. She gives a speech. It goes really awkwardly because she talks entirely about herself and making amends and the 12-step program. And then we go back and other people make speeches and they all have fun as well. There's also a lot of music at this point. But that's basically all that happens in the next 25 minutes of this movie. And I that was get... five sentences. That was five. Uh, thank that you. Was thank three. you. That was five. To... Some no, of no, no. Uh, no so I, they were really long run-on sentences. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it turns out you need like a novel stop. There's just a lot of commas being like multiple clauses. Um, um, but yeah, the, the entire point of this scene is like, oh, Kim like feels a little bit uh, alienated in this situation. Everyone else is having fun and she feels like she's not. Well, and, and like, also fine, but you do not need to take 25 fucking minutes to tell me that. Well, I do not need to see thing. eight people giving speeches yeah, and then Anne Hathaway not. and then two more people. I think I think people's enjoyment of this film comes down to uh, two things, right? One is which is like how much are you, how invested are you in watching a movie which is just like as much as you think this might be a movie about addiction or anything like that, actually it's just a movie about a, a wedding like it, it is about the wedding it is about I mean, yeah it's about the wedding obviously it touches on addiction and we'll, we'll sort of discuss that sure no it touches on addiction the, it, it has things to say about addiction but, the, but yeah, the movie is about the wedding it is rachel getting married weirdly as much as Anne hathaway is the main character actually the main thing of the movie is just this wedding um and the second thing is uh if you've ever watched the the deer hunter how much do you like the uh 30 to 35 minute sequence where they just have a greek orthodox wedding in the deer hunter uh, and that will, I think, probably proportionally relate to how much you enjoy this film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- like it, this film like takes its time, and again, it's the point. It's supposed to be you're just seeing the entire scene. Um, yeah. When, when Anne Hathaway's giving her speech, uh, it's extremely uncomfortable. She keeps on making like little jokes about like, oh, don't worry, it's seltzer, and oh, Rachel's the only one who lend me money, and like it. Yeah, it's extremely uncomfortable. Um, because it's just it's not none of her jokes are landing. Everyone else is clearly uncomfortable. Yeah. We come to the end. Um, and we uh, have a big family blowout. Um, uh, Kim is like, oh, you guys all hate me. You, none of you wanted me here. Uh, and then Rachel's like, yeah, kinda. You're a, you're a bitch. I hate you. Uh, Dad always loves you. He's constantly talking about. Ev- the only way to get his attention is to talk about you. Blah blah blah. Family fight. Family fight. Family fight. And then Rachel's like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and everyone's like, whoa, that's great. Yeah, this is amazing. And then Kim, in the most I relate to her in this movie, goes, No, that's unfair. We were having an argument. You don't get to say you're pregnant while we're having an argument. And. I don't know whether we're supposed to agree with Kim in that moment, but I fully agree with her. That's a shitty thing to do. You'd like you're in the you're in really in the throes for an argument, and then someone just drops something that's supposed to be happy news, and you're supposed to forget about it. Fuck that. Have the argument. Say you're pregnant later. Um, I, I, I appreciate that Jamie identifies with the most asshole character in this film. <laughs> only in this moment. In this one moment only. Um, but yes, yeah, so uh, then uh, Rachel is uh, just like, I'm I'm going to bed. And Kim's like, oh, dad, tell her that I'm happy for her. It's like, well, you tell her. Oh, she won't listen to me. Uh, but yeah, things are tense. Um, I don't think I mentioned, uh, I think at some point in 
the rehearsal dinner or something like that. Um, the mum turns up. We she Kim, uh, Kim yeah. has asked about her a couple of times and always been sort of like, yeah, no, she's coming. And then the mum turns up, and it's a little bit weird. Her mum's like saying hi to everyone, um, but uh, like kind of ignoring uh, Kim while Kim's trying to be like, "Hey, mum, it's been ages. I haven't seen you." Yeah, I I don't think this plotline properly resolves. I th- I it, think well, it does. I, we'll, we'll get it, to it that. Does, but it basically, it seems like it's setting up for like the mum has a secret or something, or that the mum oh, hates Anne, ha- or like like Jamie, the mum doesn't want to see Anne Hathaway. What? We do get to that scene. So, so well, I, let's... I, I know what scene you're referring to. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that's the payoff let's... that I was expecting. Sure. Anyway. So, so let's talk to it when we get to it. But um, basically the only next couple of things to happen in the film, there are some more scenes where uh, she goes to uh, the 12-steps program. And we do, at some point during this, um, find out uh, two... Basically, the important things we find out uh, is, one, that Anne Hathaway's uh, and... Uh, Rachel's and obviously the, the the father and mother's uh brother and son died that's one that's person speci- so it's, it's Kim's brother son of Their the son. yeah sorry yeah it's hard to relate them together but um Kim's brother died and Kim's brother died because uh Kim was high on Percocets on a bunch of Percocets was left uh responsible for the child and then I think drove uh drove off, off a, a bridge bridge and, and wasn't uh, able yeah. to get him out in time yeah, so she survived like, with the- yeah she survived he drowned um, she um, tells this at the Narcotics Anonymous meeting, and it's just like I have to live with this now. Like no matter, yeah. no matter what, it, it's it's related to the God idea of like, oh, it's really great that all of you guys uh, have have found this love in God, but uh, I have to be guilty about this forever because I can't believe in a God that would find me not guilty for this. Yeah, uh, uh, and it's yeah, it's pretty 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 fucking dark. Um, yeah. After that, um, she's coming back to uh, the wedding. Uh, and like I know that they tell us that like this wedding is like oh it's slapdash it's putting together last minute this is like the day before the wedding and they are just organizing seating arrangements now I mean I mean look I've never planned a wedding I've only ever been to one wedding I was 15 I got very drunk Um, you've only been to one wedding nice (laughs) I've only ever been to one wedding Um, all of my Alexander you now see the urgency (laughs) all of my (laughs) friends are loveless (laughs) I need you Um, anyway um, they are they are still like I I would just assume that this sort of thing is like you definitely have seating arrangements planned beforehand. Anyway, they're doing the seating arrangements and uh, Kim comes in and is like, "Hey, where where are you going to put me?" And uh, that goes, "Of course, you're uh, you're at the family table." And then uh, Beth goes, "Oh, but uh, that that would make it thirteen people instead of 12. And the dad's like, "Shut the fuck up, Beth! I'm trying to deal with some familial emotions right now." Um, and the dad keeps on trying to get Kim at the table. And Rachel keeps on being like, ah, no, uh, but she can go somewhere else. Um, uh, the the dad pulls, uh, Rachel pulls the dad aside and is like, look, can I just have my fucking day? Like, can I, I don't want, I don't want Kim at the table. Like, and the dad's like, oh, well, I don't want her to think she's not wanted. And she's like, well, I don't fucking want her. Uh, I don't want her at the table. Look, fuck this. And then a very weird scene happens because everyone comes in and starts pointing out that the dishwasher is a little overloaded. Yeah. So Sydney, the groom, goes, move out the way, old man. <laughs> this is, the, the young'uns are in here. I know how to load the dishwasher. And then the dad's like, oh, do you? Well, uh, let's have a competition. <laughs> and everyone gathers around and they say, oh, how long do you want? Oh, 
two minutes enough? Yeah, okay. And they all gather around and they race and load the dishwasher. Sydney does it first. And everyone's like, yeah, put more dishes in there. Put the Build cups up, upside down. He's side-stacking. That's a modern strat. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> it's very weird. And then the dad comes in and goes, oh, you're going to need to reset that. So they take all the dishes out. And then the dad goes, everyone's going, yeah, dad, 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 dad. Even Kim's having fun at this point for yeah. some reason. But you know what? I guess at this point in Kim's life, this is probably the most fun she's had in five years. Um, so everyone's going fucking mental. He loads it up. He's like, how much time have I got left? They're like 15 seconds he's like well i'm gonna need more fucking dishes and it was like yeah <laughs> they get clean dishes out for some reason and there's then also, i have to i, oh, I no, have no, to also very yeah. importantly there is a di- i think it's either this point or later but we'll put it in this point why not where there's uh, one of the dishes has ethan's name on it yes i was know- getting i was getting to that i was this 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 is where i was going to suddenly bring down the energy because the energy of the scene comes to a crushing halt uh, as he pulls out a dish as you say that says uh, his dead son's name on it but uh, and take, <laughs> who's eating off, who ate off that plate who was like, you know what, I Ethan. really want the dead son place. Well, no, no, Alexander, have a little bit of sympathy. Clearly, Ethan ate up it before he died, and then it felt a little bit grim to get rid of it after he died. No, Jimmy, you can put it in a, like, memory box. I guess you could put, I guess, like, you, yes, I guess you wouldn't keep it with the rest of the dishes. Yeah, Jamie, because like, imagine, like, someone is getting this really nice place of spaghetti bolognese, and as you get to the end, you gradually, you're scraping off the plate, you gradually realise you're eating off a dead boy's plate. That'd be really fucking sad. That would be. Like, one of these people was eating their potato salad and was like, mm, 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 I like <laughs> potato salad. And I got to the end and was like, aww. <laughs> oh, death. In Arcadia, um, Ego. But a, yeah, so ev- everyone Arcadia. leaves uh, and just leaves Kim by herself. Leaves. Le- the, everyone knows what's happened. Ethan's name's there. And they were like, let's just leave the woman who caused this by herself. Um, uh, uh, next day, they are at the hair salon. Um, Kim is getting her hair did uh, with um, uh, with Rachel there as well, uh, and mm. a man comes over and it's like, "Hey, you don't recognize me. I was I was also at the the hospital with you, and you saved my fucking life because you know that game where we had to write like an anonymous story, and I got yours. I knew it was yours because you put like you drew like kittens in the side or something. I don't really get it. Yeah, um, he somehow knew from something she's drawn." Um, uh, that you talked about how you uh, that it was her, and he's like, "Wow, you you were so brave, you know, talking about you know the abuse from your uncle and how your sister had anorexia and you had to pull through all of those things, and you know that knowing your bravery was what gave me the bravery to pull out of my addiction." Um, and Rachel, for some reason, is extremely angry about this. Uh, well, we she storms out is, of the hairdresser. This was the uh, second film uh, in that evening in my double bill of films where someone is uh, in university to become uh, a psychologist uh, or studying, psych- studying psychology. So I think she goes outside and is... Um, p- well, Basically, p- I think she, p- she, goes, she goes to Kim being like, those were all lies. Oh, why did you tell them all well, that? Um, yeah, I mean, she, she's pissed because one, like, she... Even like what she heard was Kim accused her uncle of being a pedophile, made up uh, anorexia for her, all of which was to deflect actual from, from yeah to like cover like to give reasons for why she was an addict uh, is is the idea. Um, but I mean, 
I, I think Kim expresses this later. I think the idea is this was early on in her recovery when yeah, you know it. This wasn't kind even of, at the most recent did, rehab. Like no, no, Kim this, has been this to was like a few rehabs. years ago. This was like a few years ago, and she fucked up. Like she fucked. She she wasn't taking responsibility. She wasn't properly through her recovery, and so she made some shit up. Um, but Rachel is furious about this. Um, she drives home. Uh, leaving, leave. I I like that they keep this detail. Leaving Anne Hathaway with her hair half done, and so mm. when Anne Hathaway returns to the house, she does have half done blonde highlights in it's her hair for the rest of the movie. Um, but yeah, uh, Rachel explains to the dad and is like, uh, "This is specifically, I believe, the scene uh, where she tells the musicians to shut up." Just for. Uh, yes. point. but um uh rachel is like uh, look she was fucking lying about us she was uh uh telling us that you know she was molested and all these sorts of things um and the long and short of it is that kim runs away uh kim kim ends up leaving the house we cut to a scene later that night everyone else at the house is like fuck i mean does anyone want to go out and look for him and the best person in this movie, the best man. I mean, you might have thought that he was a little bit weird, but no, he stands up and he's like, look, guys, I've been through recovery. Like when you're going through rehab, like you can make these sorts of mistakes. You can you can really fuck up. And also coming back to the family for the first time is really fucking tough. I didn't do it for two years after I got out of rehab because there's so much guilt and shame going on. Um, So she's probably just going through a really tough point. And then they go, oh, should we go out and look for her? And he's like, I'll go out and look for her. It's, it's fine. Um, At this point, we get to the resolution of the th- thing which Jamie feels was a result. So let's talk about this, which is, yes. uh, I'll describe the scheme you, we'll be talking about it afterwards. But like, um, Kim goes to her mum's house. She's really pissed. She's upset. The mum's like, oh, I'm really sympathetic towards you. You should call your dad. Your dad's going to worry. You know your dad. They're like, okay. At this point, then Kim decides it's a really good time to get into her brother's death again. Yep. And she's like, why did you leave me with... Why did you leave me with Ethan? Why, why did you leave me with my with my brother? You knew I was a drug addict. Why did you let me look after him? And she's like, well, you're your best when you're with Ethan. He's really good with you. you. You always were more positive when you were with Ethan. And she's like, but but I was a drug addict and you were his mother. And like, why did you do... Like, basically wanting... In the same sense that she is trying to make amends, I think she, you know, to, to some extent recognizes that like there are... It was a complicated situation. Like it, it, yeah. as it, with all things in life, there there is a there is a singular guilt in that it is her fault that Ethan died. But it is also true that there are like there were mistakes made by lots of people that enabled Ethan to die, and that yeah. doesn't absolve her of guilt, but that other people need to recognize that too. And I think to, and to which I think this was the. The, basically what then what happens so just to, to end the scene then is that uh, she was like uh, sorry her mother is then like you weren't meant to kill him you weren't meant to kill him yeah and they just start screaming they, yeah they, they scream at each other and and she starts like shaking her about <laughs> and then alexander then just, like, what happens yeah just fuck it. wait i can't remember who 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 uh much like who, greedo who shot she first? goes for she goes for her it almost looks like strangling, but I think she just goes for her like chest and just like shaking her up and down physically. At this point, um, and to which Anne Hathaway gets out of that, gets up and then decks her. Well, no, no, there are two. There are definitely two punches. There are okay. two punches. Um, I think therefore it is she, her mum. I know there's two punches because Anne Hathaway has a black eye after this. Um, so I think oh, the right. mum punches Anne Hathaway, and yeah. then Anne Hathaway just wails on her one more time. However, canonically. 
in the next few scenes and Hathaway has a black eye and the mum does not which means in this movie canonically the mum throws a better punch than Anne Hathaway because she has wrecked Anne Hathaway's face anyway a moment um, which will stick with me for my whole life is uh, this time when I was like 13 and someone stole my it was like they stole my like Christmas, like my PSP or something when I was a uh, a wee 13 year old at boarding school and I eventually found it at uh, in one of their beds or whatever and I was like what the fuck and the guy was laughing and this really pissed me off so I punched him in the face <laughs> and then he laughed harder because I punched him in the face and it was that moment I realised that I couldn't throw a punch which was painful <laughs> and I tried again and he kept laughing and I was like this is not the effect I want when I punch someone in the face <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, so I will explain why I don't feel like this is a huge resolution of... Or, well, it's clearly what they're going for, the resolution. But basically, th- we're set up to believe that there's some reason that the mum is not wanting to see or talk to Anne Hathaway. Now, so, Jamie, let me first, stop for a second. Are we saying other than the death of her child? But I... I don't Other get a sense of, how, of I don't. I don't get a sense of how long ago that was. I thought it was quite a few years ago. Yes, but one, I, I, I hate to so say it, Jamie, will, but, but they if you, will have seen if you, each other if you since killed your then. brother, he might listen to this podcast. Um, and do you think, even in 10 years, do you think your mum would get over it? But I, but it makes it seem like, that, yes, if this seemed like the first time that the mum has seen Anne Hathaway since then. If it no, isn't since, the since first, rehab. Since, since, since rehab, but not rehab. since the incident. Not since the incident. And no. If, yeah. if if that were the case, the mum would have been acting that way previously and Anne Hathaway would have got a sense of it previously. And additionally, think... when, when we get to this scene specifically, it more seems like Anne Hathaway gets that rise out of her mum rather than her mum being the one that... Obviously, she's, she's holding this, this feeling inside, but it's not like it's on the forefront of her mind and why she is not talking to Anne Hathaway at the beginning of the film. I think there. So here's why I will. Uh, I think there's there's one bit of criticism there which I definitely agree with, which is that the film doesn't really know to when Ethan died. No, um, not particularly. Or, sure, because I mean this comes back to the the plate issue. But like, if it was nine months ago Ethan died, then having the plate there, yeah, it was a mistake which could happen. It could be at the bottom of the thing. You have a hundred people coming over. Sure, you accidentally gave someone a plate with Ethan's name on it. I think in reality it was meant to be, like. It depends on how old she's meant to be here. It's definitely when she was a teenager that, yeah, like... Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, it's, you know, go, it going happened. on a decade ago or something. Yeah, or, or well, pretend, anyway, pretend I think to be... from five to ten years. Yeah. Um, which makes some of this a bit more odd. Like, she's definitely a drug addict as a teen. She's definitely continued to face those uh, well, issues. Well, ac- according to literally the byline of the film, uh, she has been uh, a drug addict for ten years at least. Oh, okay. Or, or, or um, been in rehab for ten years, or something like going in and out. She's of definitely rehab she's definitely years. been in rehab in the, been in the and out of, the film, of rehab for the past rehab ten for years. N- this rehab for nine months. Yeah. Um, and my guess is what it's meant to be is that like, um, she has not seen her mother since this stint in rehab. Probably. So I think it's she, uh, and I think it's more just the case that like they haven't had, even maybe if they have had, but like they. It's always been awkward since. Like, the mum is remarried. It is likely that they got divorced in part because of the death of Eton. Uh, like, yes, no, in, fact, in fact, Kim, Kim almost directly references that. that uh, not Kim, sorry. Rachel almost directly references that when she talks about how Kim wasn't there with, uh, you know, she her going away and not seeing the fallout and not seeing, you know, the divorce and not seeing the tension and all that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, and that, and so I, I think it's meant to be like that's why they are awkward at the beginning is because like she has missed all that stuff. She's missed actually probably a lot of her mother's anger. Like it's not even clear whether or not like it's important at the beginning of the film. Uh, the, the time where she could go gets up and does the uh, I am Shiva destroyer of uh, worlds or whatever speech like that's the first time she apologizes to her sister so it's, it's even yeah. possible that she hasn't apologized to her mother about the death of her brother or properly apologized to them about it and that it's all quite nebulous in that this kind of sad depressing way of like she's been in and out of rehab she's been in and out of uh, you know obviously she's always been in, in her drug addiction but moments of crisis like she's in recovery now and that i think you're right like when when this specific scene starts the mum is quite understanding but it's in the way that like the mum they've all become or at least the mother in really notable particular has become a stranger to her daughters but and we see this later on but like the mother is a stranger to both her daughters she wants to separate her life because her, like because the death of Ethan is so painful, she wants to separate that off and almost say that was a different person, and that I am I am a relative to these people, but she doesn't want to be part of that family anymore. Yeah, so I, but I, th- I would I would say that that is not hugely deeply delved into or developed, at least from the mum's side, just because sure. she literally is only in three scenes of this movie. Admittedly, but there's I, like six I, scenes in this movie, but, but she, she, yeah. that, that, that side she, of it is not as deeply delved into as Rachel and Kim's side or even the dad's but side. I think that's sort of, I do think that's kind of a point. So I, I agree when you say it's not resolved, but I think it's because the film doesn't want to resolve it. it, it the film is saying like, this is a bigger issue than we can fix in a, a weekend. And yeah. therefore, we're not giving you that dramatically. We're yeah, kind no, of raising these things. Same as there, but... we, we, we literally see three, four days uh, and that's, sure. that's deliberate because it's just about what, Alexander? Rachel getting married. Yay. Uh, so yeah, they, they pop each other in the face. Uh, I, I did straight up audibly watching this by myself go, oh shit, when that <laughs> happened both times. Uh, so it was pretty effective, uh, pretty effective um, cutting of the tension there. Uh, then uh, Anne Hathaway uh, gets in a car. Uh, she drives through, uh, is driving late at night, uh, ends up driving off the road, uh, just driving through a forest, just sobbing and uh, ends up crashing into a rock. Um, it is unclear whether this is an, an explicit suicide attempt or just a, 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 a desperate outcry of, of not caring anymore and, and just wanting to cause destruction. Um, but uh, yeah, she is found the next morning um, by a police officer and led back home. Uh, she has a honking black eye oh, yeah. uh, and immediately her sister is like, oh, I'm not angry anymore. Oh, you l- l- let me look after you. Uh, she bathes her. She looks after her, gets an ice pack on her eyes. It is at this point that she uh, discovers that the tattoo on her shoulder, which earlier she was told to cover up. She was like, oh, cover up the tattoo. You know, that's, that's not appropriate. Where, where, how dare you have a tattoo, woman? Uh, but it is discovered at this point that on that tattoo is Ethan's name. Yeah. Uh, as a uh, sort of way of remembering and potentially punishing herself. Um, Although I want to throw it out there, it's not a place she could see. So you know, no, no, it's it's on the yeah on the back on her like right shoulder behind uh, on the on the back. What would you call it? Because the, the shoulder goes over shoulder the front blade. and the back. What would you call the back of the shoulder? Is the the it would be your like right shoulder blade. Right shoulder. Yeah, I guess the blade doesn't go around to the front. Anyway, people know what we're talking about. Um, and this podcast has been going on for real long, but don't worry, guys. We have another 20-minute scene where nothing happens. Oh, yeah, uh, It's the wedding. 
it's the wedding. The wedding happens. You know what happens at the wedding? Anne Hathaway tries to have fun but struggles because she still feels alienated by the people here. Sydney uh, does a weird just sings like yeah he's Sydney like, oh yeah I, I, oh no I wait do I do want to talk like four minutes <laughs> during his vows he sings for a like again in a moment where this film just makes you watch something way too long he sings for like a full two minutes he now, just sings a cappella just sings yeah. a song now I mean, Alexander if if I am your best man at your wedding and you start singing, if you go over, I like, I will give you leeway. But if you go over sixty seconds, I will come and punch you in Jamie, the face. Jamie, 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 Jamie. If there's one thing you know about me is that I am Catholic, and that as a Catholic, we don't do our own vows. All right, they're pre-written. You read them out; it's fine. All right. This Great. is why people shouldn't be allowed to write their own vows. It will more often than not go bad, and you have a speech afterwards in which you can say the nice things. All right, vows yeah. are nonsense. Just, um, just, yeah, uh, anyway, then there's horses. loads of music, just shitloads of music for the next 20 minutes. Everyone's dancing, everyone's having fun, except for Kim. Um, and then we get the end of the wedding, where um, uh, Sydney and uh, Rachel are off uh, by themselves, having a little hug. Kim comes in and hugs them as well. The best man comes in and hugs them as well. <laughs> no, completely understanding the vibe of the room. <laughs> um... Uh, and uh, then the mother comes in and is like, hey, uh, I'm just going to nip off. You know, I'm pretty tired. Which, like, yeah. they seem to give her shit for. I'm sorry. She's, she's like, probably, like, in, a, in her 60s. It's clearly, like, 11 o'clock at night, midnight. Let, let the lady leave. Let her yes, leave. Yes, that's not... The, the worst thing she does is then she, then Rachel's like, cool, we're well, coming over tomorrow morning, right? And she's like, oh, we're actually going to Washington. And she's like, yeah. oh, because... And to be fair, like a post-winning breakfast is definitely a thing that happens. Yes, very normal. It is shitty to ditch it. And she's like, well, I can see you in like a week. And everyone's like, oh, okay. Um, Yeah, like she's, which Rachel's clearly upset. And like Kim's not happy, but not saying anything. It's important to know that for the last like 20, 30 minutes of the film, Kim's is relatively little. Yeah. Um, The mother's like, well, tell you what, why don't you come over in the morning maybe not obviously it'll be after your wedding day haha uh you know just give me a call just, just, just give me a call sometime see you later champ and then uh, yep yeah. rachel tries to like bring both her sister and her mum in and give them a big old hug come on you oh. <laughs> yeah i know you punched each other about 12 hours ago but oh come on lads um uh uh kim tries to follow her mum out but her dad stops her uh, and goes like, hey, this lady uh, owns a PR firm and uh, they need someone in the office. Uh, do you want to come work for them? Come on. No, no, you've not got anything important. Come on, stay with me. This is the most important thing right now. Um, and delays her enough that when she does go out to try and see her mum, her mum's already around the corner um, uh, in the car. Uh, it is then the next morning. Uh, Ray, uh, Kim comes out of her bedroom. There's a girl there in her underwear for Death. some reason. Oh, is that Beth? Is that Beth? I, I did I not clock that that I did I not think clock it's that Beth, that was I think Beth, Beth has been puking in the bathroom. Ah, um, okay. I did not clock that at all. I may it was near the end of the movie. I may have been looking away. I just looked back and there was just a woman that I didn't recognise yeah. in her underwear. I was like, what the fuck? Weird part of this movie. Uh, but that does make sense. Um uh Kim has a little uh, a little smooch with the best man, like uh, hey, yeah. we understand each other. Maybe maybe you give me a call sometime. Maybe see me in Hawaii. He's from Hawaii. He lives in Hawaii. Uh, yep. He's like, maybe come see me in Hawaii sometime. Uh, she then goes back out and the uh, aforementioned uh, doctor who she might be shagging um, is there to pick her up and take her back to rehab. Um, uh, Rachel says hello to them and then they give a, have a little hug. They say goodbye. 
and then an odd credit sequence happens uh, where Rachel goes and sits down on a chair and music is played for four minutes. And I, fuck me for watching the entire time thinking, well, maybe something in, maybe there's going to be like a Marvel style stinger at the end of this. But no, it's just Rachel <laughs> sorry, fucking sorry, watching just music. In your head, it's just like at some point, they're kind of like, she's watching, basically what happens in that is like Rachel, yeah, Rachel watches the, the gang play some music. Um, you just thought at some point uh, <laughs> Nick Fury was going to show up yeah, and be yeah, like, and, I want to talk to you about the Avengers Quartet. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it felt very much like, a, you know that wanky thing that, and I'm I'm saying this sort of thinking you may have done it, but hoping you haven't. You know that wanky thing that people would do at like university productions and plays where they're like, I'm not going to have a curtain call because that's dramatic. And 90% of the time, there's yeah. very little reason for it. I do, I'm saying that I think the play we directed didn't have a curtain call. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Um, Parlor Song definitely did, I think. Equus didn't. Equus, um, so I'm sure. And, and I'm sure you have loads of reasons for why. Oh, well, mainly because I had a naked actor on stage and I didn't think it was fair for them to stand <laughs> off. And okay, bow. you know what? There you go. Practical reason. Actual reason for why not to do it. Most of the time, there's very little reason. And if I went to the director and said, why are you making me watch fucking Rachel sit? Like, I don't give a shit about Rachel. This movie's not even really about her. But she's just sitting watching music and then she walks over. That's it. Why the fuck? Just cut the credit so I can leave, let's, you dickhead. Let's talk about this before we do that alexander it is time of course for anagrams (laughs) you forget that we have too many segments on this film uh, on this podcast uh anagrams is the part of this uh podcast where we try to make an anagram of the title of this movie uh while describing the plot uh and i've got two uh one of them is just a word that i realized i could make and i thought would be funny uh and then i've got another one that's okay how many have you got um i have one you got one, so I will start with my one uh, that's just a word. You can make the word tingle out of Rachel getting married. And I got that. And I was like, oh, there's got to be something fun I can do here. Tingle's a funny word. Couldn't do anything better. That's, I couldn't couldn't get any other words. I've just got tingle. So for me, I have, uh, it's kind of like a phrase, uh, which, which think of them with like full stops in between. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a, what this film's about. Okay. So it's uh, mind, rage, cigarette. Oh, that is good. That is good. Are you sure you... Oh, no, there's two Gs. There's two Gs. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking maybe you overused the G. Uh, I've just got girl change. Because oh, girl that's, actually, that's actually the best one. change. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's talk about this movie. Um, I was... Uh, what I will say, did I enjoy this movie? No. Did I enjoy, like the active word of enjoy, did I enjoy watching this movie? No. Are you supposed to enjoy watching this movie? Not really. Is it a good movie? I think so. I'm sort of waiting for your thoughts on this because I can't get wrap my head around it. The thing that's making me pause is... I had a genuine real reaction to those punches. I I was genuinely like shocked when those punches happened. And that would suggest that I was relatively invested and 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 cared about the outcome and felt like that was a surprising shocking moment and cared about those two characters in that moment. So I I think I was engaged with this movie. I also expected this movie to suck. I for some reason yeah. just thought this was an uh, just one of those like panned movies, which it's not. 
Well, I know the, the poster's terrible. I want to throw this out there. Bad poster. Okay, oh, the so poster already... is horrible. The poster's really bad. Um, here's my thing with this film, and this is also some of my feelings on, like, Cinema Verite, um, which is to say it's not really why I'm interested in the medium. This is the same reason I don't particularly love naturalistic theatre. Um, it is to say I just don't think it's... You're using... I don't think you're using the medium to do the interesting thing the medium can do. So it's why I'm more interested in a director like, uh, I don't know, someone fucking weird. Like, not that weird, but like a Danny Boyle or um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, like Ari Aster or someone like that, who is more interested in using the, the, the things that cinema can do to its height um, those are more interesting to me than like just pure kind of like hey we're in the back garden and we're shooting this and there's basically no narrative and um, it's just hey it's it's not even Rachel's wedding because that would be like about Rachel it's not even like a, the name's not Kim's sister Rachel is, get, is at a wedding it's Rachel getting married it is the act of Rachel you are you are there as a witness you're witness, witnessing Rachel getting married um, it is, you know, that that is the, the the event that is taking place. And I think for me, the issue, because, so there's two things. One is that, like, this is not the form of, and I, I like dramas, you know, I, I like things that can make me upset or whatever. It's just not particularly what I would ever, I don't know whoever is like, oh, I really want to watch Rachel getting married this weekend. Yeah, it, 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 like I say, I did not enjoy watching this because it's, it's a, it's a grim movie. And yeah. Because it, because especially, because it takes it to that height of Kim caused the death of of a member of the family, yeah. and that immediately makes the stakes incredibly high. And I, I, I understand why they go for that. It makes the drama of it real, like really tense. Because fuck me, what a complicated situation to be going through. And of course, that's going to represent really complicated emotions that I think yeah. actually the film does quite well to do. However with that because they take it so high this film ostensibly is about addiction it it it, it I, I get i get what you're saying that it's it's actually about the wedding but like if there is a a subject matter that it's trying to delve into it is addiction and i don't really know what it's trying to say about addiction and that's because of how high it takes it and at, at a at a level, it is trying yeah. to say that addiction is really hard and that perhaps we, we need to be more sympathetic towards addicts, especially when they are in recovery. And of course, I can support that message. But when you muddy those waters with such a high stakes event of a death in the member of the family, it makes the the um, the actions of the people who aren't taking Kim seriously a little bit more understandable because you're like, sure. fuck me, that's really complicated. And so that slightly diminishes that I, message of we need to support people, uh, we need I'm to support gonna, addicts more. I'm going to counter pitch you yeah. and say that I don't, so obviously, I like, you know, addiction is a theme in it. I get that. I don't think the film is about addiction though. The film is about family and I guess if you kind of to, to boil down like family as a theme even further into something more primal, I guess, like love. Like it is about so the the cool thing you know it's about a wedding right so a wedding is a is the ultimate within a kind of um, edge normative uh, nuclear family society like uh, a wedding is a public declaration of love it mm-hmm. is the, these people are uh, Sydney and um, 
uh, Rachel, Rachel. Uh, having a baby. They decided to form a family unit. So they're, they're forming their own family. That Rachel and uh, Kim are one other family unit. That uh, that is the 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 kind of the kind of weird like Jungian. There's no not I'm just kind of like the weird kind of primal level. It is about these family units and the forming of a new family unit. It is that they go from being partners to being a family, husband and wife and child, and. As part of that, the question then goes to, okay, what's love? So addiction actually more so than even necessarily like the theme, addiction is the is the device which is used to explore the cost of love and like what happens with love and divorce and stuff like that. So in that sense, basically what I would suggest is that like addiction here is used to show the way in which like, so the addiction blows up the first family unit. So the family unit used to be Ethan, um, Kim, Rachel, the dad and the mum. Uh, addiction therefore leads to Ethan's death which in turn leads to the divorce which then leads to kind of this disparate family unit so on the one sense they're like that kind of we look at love through that way we look at so we're getting really into us being a film podcast not longer being a comedy <laughs> podcast but we get into that way so it's it's that um, because of this event this mother this person who should be who should feel uh, maternal love for Kim and uh, should should we find out that this, her love is conditional that her love is it was conditional upon her not killing like her brother and that is and that is a completely and absolutely fair thing because she unconditionally you know she loved this child the child was you know even died when he was like four or five or something like little so in in that sense like his death is he was pure like he, he un, un, like you know i guess in her eyes um kim she fucked up and as such she's never really been able to look at kim the same way they, they have this like, unexploded anger and the dad loves kim and but almost as like a tenuous thing he he's worried that kim is going to die he's lost one child he does not want to lose another he is he's always loved her the most i, I, I can't i'm not sure if she's the oldest or whatever but she was the proper middle child i guess to some extent and he wants that and what we get then and why i think it is it is more about love and family than i think necessarily about addiction addiction is used to explore but it's not necessarily about that is that at the end of the day, it is about Rachel getting married, and Rachel loves her sister unconditionally. That it's about that at the end uh, when ev- her mum runs eventually off. Eventually, she does. Yes, I, no, I, but but, it, but but it's but it, I I don't but it that's not like anger doesn't negate love, like rage like anger is an emotion which love is like love is not even necessarily an emotion at times. It is a like a bond that connects people, nah, and it Ale- is when she Alexander comes and like. All the way through, she's been like, I don't want her to sh- show up at my wedding. She's been like, all the way through, she's been going, I bugger, she can piss off, she can sit at whatever table, all that kind of crap. And she shows up with a fucking black eye, her hair's well, I've done all that kind of stuff. And she could do like her dad was saying and say, you should just go to a fucking hospital, get out of my fucking wedding. And she doesn't. On her wedding day, she takes time to bathe her. She takes time to like help her eye. She's there for her. She, like, it is it is about this these two sisters and about their love for each other in a way which I think is, and, and addiction is therefore used as a way to explore what ha- what can happen to love and what happens to a family unit. It is it is the the drive, as much as it's not really a plot-filled film, addiction is used as the driver for those relationships. You know, it, it has explored those relationships in the past, and therefore in the present when she's in recovery, it is used to examine those exploded things. It is, it is a, pl- a movie that I think would be much better served almost by being a play, um, in that sense, because I mean, plays deal better with not having any plots or having very little plots, because you can kind of just—I don't know—because of the medium, I think we're we're more used to just sitting with people doing nothing in a play for three hours, two hours, whatever it was. But um, because and Alexander, really, if 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 you've ever been to a, a writing school, you do know that the opposite of love is is not hatred; it's apathy. Yeah, and that's that's really really important to me. I, I did take one English class at university, and 
And I've been holding that message ever since. <laughs> I've also been holding that fucking joke in for about a minute and a half and we were way past the talking about love. It didn't work. <laughs> so so that's... But I, I think... So it's a... For me, I think this is my problem with it. It is not a film I have really any interest in watching. Again, it's not a film I really had a lot of no. interest in watching the first time. But it, that is not to say it is not dramatically, narratively, and artistically full because uh, I do think it is. It's just not necessarily one... Like, I don't know why you'd... I, 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 it's not like... This sounds harsh. If you go watch King Lear or something, bad things happen, people are terrible, all that kind of stuff. But there's a kind of... You know, there's like a narrative going through. There's a lot of like stylistic things which like keep you watching Hamlet or King Lear, which I... You know, which drive... There are drivers more. In this, there are not those things. So it is just a case of like, do you want to... It's like reading a poem, I guess, to an extent. Like, do you want to sit and think about and explore something uh rather than to be taken through you know you you are you're you're i don't know you're in a fucking garden and you look around and you kind of look at the flowers and you think about the flowers rather than you're on a roller coaster and the roller coaster is taking you along something and maybe you can pick up different things there but it's you, you just kind of sit there and you sit with it it's that kind of film so if i'm if we uh are to give it a score so obviously when we uh review these films we uh, rank out of uh, four criteria we rank on uh, the film out of five and Hathaway's mm-hmm. performance out of five the uh, America's Sweetheart Omato which is how much do we think uh, Anne Hathaway is America's Sweetheart in this film cool. uh, and then of course we just put uh, we rank the Anne Hathaway love interest in this movie uh, in the uh, Anne's Man's list of so course. out of five so- I would give this film four if because Ooh, wow. I, I as much as I think it's rich and uh, you know thoroughly justifies itself creatively I wasn't super moved by it, interestingly. Actually, other than thinking about it afterwards. I think thinking about it later, I, I was moved more than I was in the moment. I'm not sure if that seemed the point. But um, not one of, not my favourite Jonathan Demme film, but I think it shows him as a very... Camille, like, a, a, a director who's never... who's interested in just doing very different things. Like, if you, if you took Silence of the Lambs, Philadelphia, and this, they have three very, very different films. Yeah. Actually, this one in particular is... is Sons of of Philadelphia, stylistically, in, in ways kind of similar. This is very different from those two. I mean, this is also 15 years later than than Philadelphia, something like that. So, I mean, sure. he, he, he's changed a lot. And this was considered a, a sort of return to form for him by critics. Um, I Of course, you give whole numbers. I can give decimal points, which makes my life real easy because this film is worse than Ella Enchanted, which I gave a four. Uh, but it is better than Princess Diaries 2, which I gave a 3.4. So I'm going to give it a 3.8. Um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I, I know that I'm only point two less than you, but I'm surprised uh, that you gave it a four because mainly because I know what's going to happen and it infuriates because it happened constantly throughout the, the, the Hanks Bank where you would give films fours and not put them in the Hanks Bank. You have well, no consistency. Anything, we'll, we'll, we'll think about it. Um, I'm not sure uh, and how the way in this film. Out. Of course, our first um, uh, Anne Hathaway performance that received an accolade. Uh, I do think she is good in this. I, th- I think she, she carries it exactly how it needs to be carried. She carries the weight and the emotion of the film. Um... I think, I think, it, and I think it's more in a writing and a direct directing issue. If I were to criticize something about the character or the performance, it would be that, uh, and I guess it's similar to how you talk about addiction is used in the film. I don't think necessarily addiction is explored. I think they talk about um, the the. Um, the 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 pains and the emotions that she's going through as an addict and i think they explore that very well uh but i don't think it's taken much further than that so 
I don't think she comes across very strongly as a recovering addict other than in how she emotionally states how sure. she's struggling as a uh, as a recovering addict but i do think that the emotions she portrays are very very good and very strong mm. uh there's quite a lot of crying in this film and anne hathaway is the only person that's good at it um, there's some some very suspect crying from other actors in this film but crying on screen is very hard um so i'm gonna give this i'm gonna give it a Ooh, I've got to give it higher than Brokeback Mountain. Uh, I, I think I'm going to give it a 4.5. I think I think it's a good performance. Sure. Um, for me, and actually, as I, as I think more about the film, I wonder even if it's like addiction's the theme. Like, I actually I agree with you even in the sense that I don't think addiction is a theme even potentially. I think I think recovery is that theme. Yeah, recovery, it, it yeah, recovery about, from addiction. Yeah, that, it, that it's about the process of making... Because you're, you're right, like, they don't... She's never really has a problem with being around people drinking she never really has a problem with um that kind of stuff it's never it's never really like there's any kind of moment where you think oh she might relapse um or, or at least for me you know we, we never see her in the in crisis as they say in the they the, the, the talk briefly about it yeah um you know she's not in crisis she's in recovery um, and i guess everyone else in this film is also in recovery just from different things so so yeah. the, the the rest of the family is also recovering from a a big trauma and so mm. you're seeing that that yeah like you say it, it's all yeah. about how people come out the other side sure um and how no one comes out the other side the same person they went in no. um so yeah so I, I guess the question is like of of anne hathaway's performances uh in the slightly more indie projects uh if we're including becoming jane in that i didn't love becoming jane um, and I, I don't necessarily even love her performance in Becoming Jane very much. And no. you can kind of see what she's trying to do, which is as a performer with the back history of something like Princess Diaries, which is iconic in its own sense, but also restrictive uh, in the kind of typecast it puts you in. This is the most successful attempt to grow artistically and to try and move away from that typecasting. Yes, so it's, I would fully totally agree. It's a very deliberate choice as an actor to say, I need to separate off from um yeah i, I mean I've, I've been saying that for the last like six or so films sure. and I, fu I fully agree that this this is the most successful uh of those thus far yeah and you can even see that like if we if we look at tom hanks i think tom hanks has a similar thing in the late 80s um with some of his movie choices right where he gets kind of typecast like in these bonfire of the vanities yeah, I mean, does massively poorly with that. But, you know, when someone... Whereas he had, like, a decade, Anne Hathaway has, like, what, seven years, six years between, like, her big success and her trying to break away from... Actually, less than that. But, but, but she tries to break away after, like, four years. And yeah. then she kind of succeeds here. This is where you kind of think, oh, Anne Hathaway, nominated for an Oscar. Man, they go... That, not that, that woman, sorry. Can really act. Uh, and I think if you compare that to, like, the other attempts... Becoming Jane, not very uh, fine, whatever. People like it, I don't. Um... You have uh, Brokeback Mountain, which is a very good film, uh, and I probably enjoy more than this, but her role in it is probably too small to be substantial enough. And then you have Havoc, which is really... This and Havoc are very similar films. They're both about people who in their teenage years uh, were addicted to drugs and uh, careless in their treatment of others to an extent. And I think that in this this does it much immensely better partly because i think jonathan dennis is a much better director so even when i don't necessarily like it visually it 
it gets to something much truer and much less performative and much more insightful than a not good movie like Havoc wanted to do. Havoc tries to kind of explore some of the same themes, but does so incredibly poorly, in my opinion. Whereas this this is creatively more exciting and is is a definitely a touchstone on her as a, a performer. Uh, so in that sense, I would I would give it a five. I, I think she's really good in this. I think she. It is a shame that she, notoriously, the story goes that she uh, didn't get uh, the Oscar for this because Bride Wars came out the same year. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we shall see whether or not we think that is true. But uh, I believe it went to Kate Winslet in uh, The Reader, which I have, I've not seen, but I have heard is, is very, very, very good. Um, uh, and then the Anne Hathaway Sweet Tartometer. Uh, let's, let's run through the rest of this Goodness gracious, this is a long podcast, sure. as I'm saying every week at this point. Um, and other she's on. No, she's not. She's not playing America's sweetheart uh, in this movie. Uh, it's it's not uh, that sort of role. It's not that sort of vibe. Um, do I think it's even less America's sweetheart than when she played uh, a, a British woman? Probably not. So I'm going to give it a two point five. Yeah, I'll give it two. I you know she is she has a as much as she has the like self-centeredness and the, the god-awful the kind of cringe comedy almost moment of the uh, I am Shiver Destroyer of the World speech um, you know it, she she has a certain charm to her you like the character you feel for the character despite all of her flaws uh, and recognising that her flaws are there I think mean, that is quite an American thing to say this thing is flawed but I like it uh, so which um, case I'll give it two and now we have Anne's Mans and Alexander at this point I will not accept you reading your whole goddamn no, 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 list no. like you tried to t- I know where the guy is I know, where you know where is. he's going okay so of course we've got the best man in this film who I've said I actually I think he's probably the best person in this film he's the only one that actually sees seems to care about Kim and her recovery. He seems genuinely uh, worried for her when um, uh, when they, uh, when they she's missing. Um, he seems like a really nice bloke. However, Alexander, unfortunately, he's not that sexy. And I don't mean to be too... The bloke's not bad looking. But, you know, when, when we've got the top of our list here, uh, you know, getting people like Jake Gyllenhaal, The Rock and Chris Pine, I just don't think he can crack into the top five. So I'm going to put him in sixth. And I'm now starting to realize that I am creating a a very separated, the sexy men section and then everyone else. So he's going to slot in at sixth behind The Rock and above Michael from Princess Diaries. See, here's the issue. You you raise a correct thing. He's not that sexy. I had put him in number four underneath The Rock and above Diamond Thief, Prince Thief. Uh, Sorry, uh, Diamond Thief, Prince Prince. From Princess Diaries 2. My issue is that pushes the Baron from The Cat Returns even further down. He wasn't sick. He's, he'd now be pushed down to 7th. Maybe I just want to put him below the Baron to push the Baron up relative to everyone else. Because, of course, I've been <laughs> no. told that I can't take out... I put Mr. Darcy in. He's going to get sick. I, I wish I had. Mr. Darcy should be in pretty lower. Like, at some point, if I get the ability to change that, I will change that. However, for now, uh, I will, I'm will. i going to put him in at... I'm going to keep him at fourth. I think keep him he, is that's, that's, that's he, he is emotionally the best. He is, I would actually say emotionally, he is by far the best partner that Anne Hathaway has had in any of her movies so far. Um, so uh, with that, we get, of course, to our most important question, Alexander. Are you going to stash away this film? No. You're going with a No. So I, I mean, I'm also going with a no. I was, I was, I was unsure about my feelings about this film after finishing it, and I felt like I would have a, a stronger idea after having talked yeah. with you about it. Um, however, I am annoyed that you've given another film a four and not put it in your. Four's not a five. Not four's not a five. Right. A four is not a five, but 
have some consistency, man. Anyway, um, so uh, when we don't put anything in our, uh, when we don't stash away anything, we must decide what's going to galvanize humanity this week. And goodness gracious, I haven't, I'm going to say that it is the photo, the framed photo of me and Al that Al gave me before he left for Canada. Oh. It sat on my desk. You might say that I was just trying to pick things that, you know, I can physically see in front of me, but no. I think that the power of friendship will galvanize humanity this week. Oh. So that's what I'm going to present. Alexander, what are you going to present? Uh, I'm going to pick uh, another film in which uh, a child does something terrible to their sibling. Uh, and I am going to, uh, under the influence of drugs, uh, and as such, uh, Hereditary, the film by Harry Astor, is going in my, uh, uh, going inside the blanks bank. Um, I think it probably, it does a lot of the same things here. It does it in a weirder way, which appeals to me more. And, you know, it, it's a straight up, like, really aggressive horror film, which I didn't used to like, but guess what, Jamie? I like horror movies now. Um, as long as they don't involve torture, I don't like torture. I'm consistent in one thing, and that is torture <laughs> is bad and not funny. You shouldn't put in stuff. But um, yeah, there's no torture in Hereditary, except for the emotional torture of watching the film, because Jesus Christ, there are some painful scenes in that. You don't love scary things, I think. No, I no, I hate I, I no, so hate don't ever watch films. it. I hate Don't ever watch films. it. You'll, uh, you'll be very Good, upset. good to know. So, uh, that is us for another week. I'm so sorry that it's this long again. All I can promise is next week when we review Passengers, my aim will be that it will not be longer than the film Passengers, which is 93 minutes. So join us next week when I beg you, maybe we'll have a less than hour and a half film. I, I, every week, I'm just so hungry at the end of these i think oh it's great i'll be done by six fucking 6 30 rolls on i'm supposed to be doing something <laughs> half an hour i haven't made myself dinner i'm falling apart alexander so you know do all that shit download all of the podcasts steal your friends phones but don't steal congresswomen's phones and for me jamie and my co-host al that's one more f in the bank I, don't kill your siblings this is really important don't accidentally kill your siblings as much as possible try not to kill your siblings we can't bring them back by the podcast that way okay only through corona not where well, we can't be back through coronavirus only through death by alien blank spank <laughs>